morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, and right now book by book, as we have just a handful of episodes more here in 2020, as we go through this big uh, swoop through the entire entirety of the scriptures. And uh, we're looking here at Second Chronicles chapter 36. So last time when we turned to Zephaniah 2, we were saying that we're kind of pivoting from the, the Assyrian stuff, which really we, we saw is a, is a very big deal throughout the prophets in the Old Testament. But now we're starting to look forward to this Babylon problem. So Zephaniah prophesies to King Josiah. There's reform. And here we get the, the kind of narrative now in Second Chronicles chapter 36. So uh, there, there is reform. Uh, there is a period of mercy that God graciously gives. But uh, exile is still going to happen. There's no getting out of it. And so today we're going to read about that Second Chronicles chapter 36. Also, uh, a few verses from chapter 34, just to kind of set the stage here. Joining us as our guest, we've got... Pastor David Boys Claire, pastor at Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back one more time here. And yeah, looking at really just a, a huge turning point in in all the Bible. I mean, it's uh, it's arguably, uh, I mean, a bigger turning point than like even like the Exodus here. Um, yeah, but but really big for understanding the whole picture, right? Oh, absolutely, yes, and 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 I, I guess I would my demur from saying that's more than the Exodus because the Exodus is kind of looms large, you know. But still, it's it's uh, uh, you know a very big mountaintop uh, event in in the life of God's people. Uh, certainly, I, I mean uh, the Exodus is is a is a foundational moment, right? I mean it's uh, right. it's uh, I mean it's not in the book of Genesis, but I mean it could have been, you know, um, <laughs> in some in some ways. Right. But 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 the but the 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 exile is is like this hinge, right? I mean, if you were to like say like what's like the the hinge on which the Old Testament and the New Testament turn, right? I mean, it's uh, yes, exactly. Yes, I think that's a very good characterization of of the exile, and um, you know, and and again, uh, you know, it's it's really neat how the Lord, through His prophets and apostles, uses these uh, historical events as as kind of templates or um, you know uh, parables of of His our our relationship with Him. Uh, absolutely. So just like we were seeing last time, how I mean, Zephaniah's preaching was was very. Very much a multi-level thing that that we could relate to. Uh, yeah, I mean, so we're, now we're getting that this uh, this narrative that, like you're saying, yeah, I mean, it is, it, yeah, it, it's like a historical parable, right? Where it's like it, it's something that actually happened, but there's uh, there's something, yeah, like paradigmatic, programmatic about this. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. So good, good, good stuff. Um, looking forward to to digging into this today. Would you start us off? before we read through the chapter with a prayer. Thank you, yes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to hear good things from your word, how you guided your people through the changing times of the ancient world as you brought them ever nearer the incarnation and birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you for the inspiring faithfulness of your servant, King Josiah. Grant that we may imitate his faith and faithfulness while avoiding his sins and shortcomings through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 
All right. So anything um, that might help us just kind of set up the chapter a little bit more. We talked about, I mean, a number of these things that will help for today. Uh, last time, we are talking about with uh, Zephaniah how they seem to be related. They're like, you know, cousins. Uh, they, they have that common, like, was it great-grandfather or like great-great, but um, in, in Hezekiah. And Zephaniah, in many ways, is trying to draw some analogy to that, that, you know, Hezekiah was, uh, just like you were saying in the prayer, a flawed king who was following in the ways of his father, but there's this appeal to go further back and to follow in the footsteps of the father, in the sense of, like, ancestor, uh, the father David, and, and not just, uh, you know, the the literal uh, father of just one generation prior, which is not a very good example for Josiah. Oh, absolutely not. And, and, and his grandfather was probably one of the most evil kings of Judah there ever was. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, but of course he had the opportunity re- to repent because he was taken into captivity himself. And uh, uh, Josiah's father was, uh, was also evil, Ammon. Uh, and uh, you know he was he was uh, deposed by a palace coup, you might say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Josiah really, uh, you know, they they constantly had this refrain in um, about the kings of Judah that they didn't remove the high places. You know, right. they, they 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 there were those that were faithful, like uh, Asa and and Hezekiah, who were faithful to Yahweh. But then um, they did not remove the high places. The people were still permitted to worship on the high places. Josiah was a real reformer. He uh, he tore down the high places. He was he was a you know a re- in other words, it burns bright the faithfulness to God in in his uh, kingdom. Right, and, and of course, the high places, high places being a little bit of a uh, a jargon, I think, in, in Hebrew for uh, a worship center, right, a worship site. Right. And um, exactly. when you're talking about the the worship sites, uh, the the implication, right, is not the right one, <laughs> like the temple in Jerusalem, <laughs> but all the other ones, which are not doing so uh, well. They're not kosher, put it that way. Well, you know, sometimes I imagine people might say, well, well, we're worshiping Yahweh, but we're worshiping right. him on the high places. You know, in other words, you know, this kind of rationalizing those things, you know. Right. Uh, well, well, and we, and we saw that in Zephaniah, right? Like, yeah. we, uh, I'm reminded that, you know, when in Zephaniah, two, what was it, Zephaniah, uh, uh, I don't know if it was one or two, but as like a part of what, what God's saying is, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there was yeah, in chapter one that we read the first six verses of, right? So he says, um, you know, he's going to cut off the remnant of Baal and the idolatrous priests. But then also it says, um, those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet swear by Milcom. So like you're saying, there's there's these worship sites throughout Judah where, yeah, they're calling on the name of the Lord and a few other guys. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's like, it's what we call, we distinguish monotheism from henotheism. Monotheism is the belief that there is only one God, and they, and that, of course, is the God whom is worshipped, whereas henotheism is the belief in many gods, but yet you only have one official God that you worship. You know, in other words, and that's kind of like Isaiah deals with that, where God himself bears witness to his people. There is no other God. I know. I should know. And I know <laughs> there's no yeah, other yeah. God except me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would notice, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that, that yeah, no, that, that's, that is a helpful 
distinction though um that we do we do see throughout the old testament right that like it is it is very blurry um just in terms oh, of yeah. like when you if you were to like to ask them right you know like so which, which is it and it's sort of like well, you know, because, uh, well, just because of the way things were that you could talk about like, the kings being gods, right, or angels being gods in a, in a, in a much lower sense that, you know, there, there, were, there was some slipperiness to these things. But Oh, yeah, um, exactly. Without yet going off on a rabbit trail there, as much as, as my mind's already starting to, let's, uh, let's just reel it back in. Let's look at the chapter here. Um, so we are going to read the first six verses of chapter 34 just to kind of bridge the gap uh, that we had with Zephaniah here. So, and then, and then we'll jump into uh, 36 and that's what we'll be spending our time on today. So here's second Chronicles chapter 34, the first six verses. Then we jump to 36. When, uh, let's see, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim, and the carved in the metal images. And they chopped down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and he cut down the incense altars and stood above them, and he broke in pieces the Asherim and the carved in metal images, and he made dust of them, and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in their ruins all around, he broke down the altars, and beat the Asherim and the images into powder, and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, and then he returned to Jerusalem. The people of the land took Jehoiaz, the king of Josiah, and made him king in his father's place in Jerusalem. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Then the king of Egypt deposed him in Jerusalem and laid on the land a tribute of a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. And the king of Egypt made Eliakim, his brother, king over Judah and Jerusalem, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. But Necho took Jehoahaz, his brother, and carried him to Egypt. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Against him came up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and bound him in chains to take him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also carried part of the vessels of the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in his palace in Babylon. Now, the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and the abominations that he did and what was found against him, behold, they are written in the books of the kings of Israel and Judah, and Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his place. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. In the spring of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon, with the precious vessels of the house of the Lord, and made his brother Zedekiah king over Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil on the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. 
he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God. He stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord, the God of Israel. All the officers of the priests and the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations, and they polluted the house of the Lord that they had made holy in Jerusalem. And the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord rose against the people, until there was no remedy. Therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and gave no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or aged. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burned the house of God, and broke down the wall of Jerusalem, and burned all its palaces with fire, and destroyed all its precious vessels. He took them into exile in Babylon, those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and his sons, until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill seventy years." Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it into writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. And that's the end of 2 Chronicles. And uh, yeah, so this last chapter, it's just, it's really just, you know, boom, boom, boom. It goes fast. Um, You know, these reigns of the kings, short. And, uh, you know, I, I think the one that stands out to me um, you know, you got this, I think, because I'm not even sure if we've had this before. Maybe, maybe there's uh, like maybe one other or something, but it's really specific. It says, uh, where, where is it here? It's, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's in verse, uh, yeah, where was it? I think it's Jehoiachin there. Um, yes. Well, but, well, it says it. The one of the things that might cause cause difficulty is where it says that Jehoiakim was taken a captive into Babylon, and and uh, it was Jehoiachin that was taken. You know, the son, not the father. The father oh, died oh, right. in the course of the um, siege of Jerusalem. You know, Nebuchadnezzar's siege of Jerusalem in in the, the year five ninety seven B.C. And mm-hmm. and um, you know during in the course of that siege Jehoiakim died and Jeremiah says that he had he was given the funeral of of a donkey and uh, his son Jehoiachin of course uh, took over and um, you know he there there's like a, a sharing of the throne I think uh, so Jehoiachin was also ki- you know a joint king with his father at the time and then and then he was taken captive into Babylon. So that's there's kind of like it says Jehoiakim was, and then but the actual fact is that Jehoiachin was taken. 
Right. So yeah. So it, it get it gets messy there, just with everyone just getting exiled, like left and right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the midst of it, you just see. So this this was the bit in verse nine that like I just thought was interesting. Oh. You know, it says there that he is eighteen years old when he became king, and he reigned three months and ten days. Right. And I'm just thinking, right. I don't know if we've ever had anything that specific in terms of like down to the the number of days, right. but. Right. I think it's because it's not well. Like I don't know. We're just paying lots of careful attention to uh, to this one particular guy, but just that well, something else happened at that time, three months and ten days later. Right. And and that and that of course was was the uh, you know and they and Nebuchadnezzar at that time did not destroy Jerusalem. He just took all of the cream of the crop, all of the all of the elite, all of the aristocracy. The king, King Jehoiachin, and 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 then of course uh, like the treasures of the temple to Babylon. Right. So so that that's a, that's another thing that's helpful to to remember that I mean I think that we sometimes might might be guilty of just kind of oversimplifying things and just saying like oh, okay Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed everything and carried everything off like it was just kind of like one fell swoop but. I mean, it happened in stages, right? Like everything right. Was, was very much in stages. And, and and you see that here as there's different stages of this power struggle, right? That, you know, uh, Egypt comes up and Egypt says, okay, well, here's my puppet vassal. And then, you know, Babylon comes along and says, nope, my vassal. <laughs> and so there's this, there's this back and forth. Um, it's like this chess game. And you realize that Jerusalem's not even on the board. They're just the board. Um, and it's... It's it's Egypt and Babylon that are actually playing the game, right? It, it's like it, it's like uh, Jerusalem is just a, like a little pawn in the midst of this, uh, you know, the the yeah. this interplay of these world powers. Uh, you know, the uh, it kind of started with jo- well, when when jo- Josiah was king, that Pharaoh Necho uh, went north uh, to Carchemish, or, or you know, in that, this case, the Assyrian Empire was was um, you know disintegrating. And and uh, the Assyrian uh, Nineveh fell in 612 BC, and then and then of course you have the Babylonians or the new Cal- or the Chaldeans, the Neo Babylonians as they're called, mm-hmm. and right. Nabopolassar was the king, and Nebuchadnezzar was the crown prince, and and he was trying to uh, snatch up what was left of Assyria, and and the Pharaoh of course wanted to have the that like the dominion over Canaan that that uh, you know. And during the period of the empire, you know, Ramesses II and so on, that, that so he, Necho was coming up to help the Assyrians and uh, against the Babylonians. And then um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar defeated Necho. But anyway, on the course of that, Josiah steps in there. And and meets Neko in Megiddo and says, uh, "Okay, uh, <laughs> you know you're not going up there." Neko says, "Well, you know you're going against God's will here," which is kind of funny. I remember a professor of mine kind of uh, chuckling at that, uh, where he said, "Well, here you had the pagan Pharaoh of Egypt telling <laughs> yeah. the king of Israel, who was a great king of Israel, uh, uh, you know, near to the Lord's heart, that he was going against God's will." <laughs> right. Yeah, well, yeah, no, there, there's, there is a lot of, uh, yeah, irony in the midst of all this too, and a lot, a lot of reversals. Yeah. Um, yeah, like one of the, one of the comments, like I was just seeing on Facebook, you know, why is it that good kings have foolish sons, right? Isn't that just the That's shame of all point. this, right? I mean, it, just, it yeah. just seems like whenever you have like, 
you know, and, and it's not just good kings, right? It's like good prophets too, right? I mean, it's just, it seems like whenever, you know, in, in the story in the Old Testament, you get these like high points, right? I mean, it goes back to like, you know, uh, I mean, like Aaron, you know, for example, right? You know, his, his firstborn and his second uh, son, right? Like uh, burned to death. Nadab and Abihu, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, 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 they did something so offensive to God by offering ch- strange fire that they were swallowed up or uh, by by God into the earth. And uh, it, it's certainly um, it's certainly sobering. But well, let's go back to to chapter thirty four and and enjoy our our six verses of, of things going well for just a minute here. <laughs> yeah, hey, so, uh, that sounds so, like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So 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 here we have the the summary of of Josiah, right? And and so th- this is uh, kind of the way I think of it is like you know Josiah can't stop the exile from happening, but he buys a generation of Judah uh, some time, right? Like the repentance mm-hmm. um, by God's grace um, is, is met with a time of, of uh, rel- relative peace um, that, that they're able to enjoy here. Um, and not, not that, you know, I say by time, but like, not, again, uh, from last time, I like the, the point that um, it was uh, Pastor Metter was making. It's not a transaction, so it's not like he like purchases the time with his, you know, tears of repentance or something, but it's, it's by God's grace here. And it's, so it's interesting. He's eight years old. <laughs> it says when he began to reign. Um, so you know, that, that's, let, let's just talk, like maybe just start there. Like, what do you, what do you make of that? Cause this is actually not the only time we've seen this where these Kings are allegedly, you know, super young when they begin to reign. Well, like uh, Joash, I think was another, another King like that, um, and and they must have had some very good, uh, you know, counselors. You know, there was, uh, what is it, Hilkiah, there was a high priest or a priest that was there, and there was also a prophetess, Hulda. Uh, so, so there were, in other words, there were some, some good folks that were uh, part of the, uh, you know, the... Um, uh, regency, you know, they were the kind of taking care of or guiding, guiding Josiah. Uh, but, but I, I guess it's encouraging the young people. You know, it was when he was 16 that he started to um, carry out the the uh, reformation of of his kingdom. Well, yeah, so that that's pretty interesting, um, and I think and I think that's right. We got to remember that you know, as as good as Josiah was, I mean, he he was still a vassal essentially. Um, and that, like that's a situation right. that he couldn't get out of, and, and we want to talk about that too uh, because there, we get this comment about him um, trying to kind of like, uh, like I don't know, like kind of like overthrow this or, or uh, a, a later one anyway. But so what? What want to like deal with that? But but they become vassals, and so as a vassal, it's uh, it's it's very it's very plausible for him to be the eight year old king because. I mean, like you're saying, like the, the, the Assyrian, you know, counselors, put it, you know, to put it like, you know, kind of euphemistically, uh, can just make all the decisions and just he's just there on the throne. Right. So, yes, uh, to, to Assyria, it's it, it makes no difference that that, you know, the guy is eight years old. It's like whatever that he's recognized by um, the Judahites. Um, but, yeah, we, we want to make uh, something of this, though, because you're right. It is remarkable that when he's only 16, like, he actually starts making some decisions on his own here. Um, and it's pretty remarkable, like you were saying, like, that as a young person, the kind of decisions he makes. Uh, but we got to get back to that after our break here, everybody. We're looking 
at Second Chronicles, a little bit of 34 and also 36 today on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. we love our neighbor on the internet? Why are the creeds so important? What does it mean to practice Christian hospitality? Questions like these are answered in every edition of The Lutheran Witness, the monthly magazine of the LCMS. The Lutheran Witness can help you interpret the world from a Lutheran Christian perspective by providing reliable, biblical reflections on the issues that you care about the most. Get your free issue at cph.org witness. That's cph.org witness. The Missouri Army National Guard can help you get the education you need to land the career you've always wanted. The Guard will pay up to 100% of your tuition for up to 39 credit hours per academic year at 90 colleges and tech schools across the state. You're eligible as soon as you enlist. Learn more about the many benefits that come with serving part-time in the Missouri Army National Guard. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association in this station. To the father with a $1.75 per hour minimum wage job in Guatemala, or for a mother combing through the rubble of their earthquake-stricken home in Chile, a Bible storybook for their children is an unimaginable luxury. Yet what child doesn't need to learn of Jesus in a language they can read and understand? You can help tell Spanish-speaking children everywhere about Jesus when you adopt the Lutheran Heritage Foundation's Juan 316 Mission Project, lhfmissions.org. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Second Chronicles here, the last uh, few chapters. Uh, right now, focusing a little bit still on uh, this part of chapter 34, just kind of wrapping up this, this thought on uh, the good young king, Josiah, the reformer here. If you've got a question for me or our guest today, we have joining us Pastor David Boyce Clare, pastor at Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. If you're listening live, you can give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org, or hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa, where uh, we got the question there, so who took the Ark of the Covenant? Was it uh, Shishak against Rehoboam, or was it Nebuchadnezzar when he took Jerusalem? Or was it given away as tribute to the Assyrians at some point? You know, uh, I'll I'll let uh, Pastor Boisclair take that one in a in a second here. But uh, <laughs> well, well, I was I was always uh, uh, intrigued by the idea that it was Shishak during the reign of Rehoboam, because it says he took everything. And yeah. um, but but on the other hand, I, I believe that the the Ark of the Covenant was still there at the time of Josiah. So uh, you know, the, it was. It, some believe that Jeremiah uh, and and the priests, um, uh, you know, hid, hid the Ark of the Covenant, uh, and then then there's a tradition that it was taken down to Ethiopia, but um, you know, it, it it was gone uh, because uh, when Tacitus is the a Roman historian that speaks about 
Pompey, uh, you know, uh, conquering Jerusalem in the 63 A.D. That the mm-hmm. whole, or, I'm sorry, 63 B.C. Uh, there was uh, an empty, the Holy of Holies, the holiest place in the temple was an empty room. So there was no ark there. Um, so, so it was, it was probably uh, somehow disappeared uh, during Nebuchadnezzar's destruction of Jerusalem in, in 587. That's, that's kind of how, how we look at it historically. Yeah, you you can see that. And that's a good point you you brought up about um, you know the traditions that exist about it being hidden by the priests. I mean, there's sort of like a double reason for it being notoriously hard to pinpoint because on the one hand, um, and this is what I was saying over the break that you, you see this decline in the interest and centrality of the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, I mean, you, you already see that as early as, I mean, in some in some ways, like just it, as the king became more and more significant, right? Um, the Ark of the Covenant mm. became less so. Um, you know, like well, you even in First Samuel, in First exactly. Samuel, the, they're, they're still able to triumph over their enemies under under Samuel, the uh, you know the judge Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the Philistines had the had the Ark of the Covenant, or it was kept in in Baal Judah, you know, right. or, you know, it's not at the center of of things. Right. Right. So so when when they cease to be so itinerant and, and mobile and it becomes more of a like almost like it becomes more of a marker of a place like when when david finally gets it into jerusalem it's sort of like okay it made it it's sort of like the way of saying like jerusalem is it but but now that it's like been moved there it kind of then like loses that significance because i mean even even when it was just in the wilderness wandering it was kind of the marker of like this is where god's going but like kind of right. once it like kind exactly. of makes that final landing the, the 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 thought process is sort of like well you don't need to have this thing mark you know where god's going because he's like he's here now um and, and then right. you have the 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 waxing of the idolatrous worship um you know we looked at like ahaz right with like importing like foreign altars and stuff like that. And so you have like all that. And then like you were saying, and then there's actually a reason to like hide it and not write anything down about it (laughs) because you don't want anyone to know. So there's, there's just, there's kind of a lot of reasons why you wouldn't necessarily expect to, to be able to, to find anything anyway, but well, you know, and, and you were kind of surprised they, in rebuilding the temple. I mean, under yeah. under Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah times, uh, they they didn't, uh, you know, think of remaking the Ark of the Covenant or or seeing that there's one there because it be, because the Holy of Holies is an empty room, mm-hmm. that, you know, where the high priest goes on the Day of Atonement, maybe to sprinkle the blood of, of the atonement, and and but then there's no Ark of the Covenant there. Right. Well, yeah, and, and, and yeah, that is interesting just by itself that, that they wouldn't, there, would, there wouldn't be an attempt to, to, to refashion it and what that kind of uh, says, right? I mean, I mean, like, and you think about like what it contained though too, right? Because um, it, it contained the, you know, the Decalogue and then Aaron's staff and, and then like uh, some of the, the manna from the wilderness. And so it, there, there's uh, the, the whole, I feel like, uh, symbolism of the Ark of the Covenant is that it's unique. You can't remake it any more than you can, you know, have the bread come from heaven again. Oh, wait. Right. Oh, 
Right. <laughs> well, well, in fact, uh, the it, and when Solomon um, built his temple, there was it, the the scripture says there is nothing in the ark except the the uh, Decalogue, the two tablets of t- stone. So mm-hmm. somehow the uh, pot of the manna and the rod of Aaron are not there anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's you know, one one might. What one might sympathize you know, with it being rather, uh, you know, uh, transitory organic material, but but I mean, yeah, I know it's it, it, the, the surprise is that it lasted as long as it did by by God's you know grace. But mm-hmm. in any case, um, if if we go any further on the Ark of the Covenant, I'm going to start talking about Indiana Jones movies. So we got to stop. Oh yeah, absolutely. I like that idea because we looked at Shishak and and it said Shishak took everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, right. And he right, put it well, in the so, well of souls in Tanis or whatever. It, it, yeah, that's right. That's right. You got to get the staff and put it at the right height, you know. And Okay, okay. Stop. Yeah. All right. Uh, so chapter 34, looking at Josiah here. Um, uh, I want to thank our underwriters really quick here. They are the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, their website, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for supporting Thy Strong Word. All right, so we're looking at thirty-four, and yeah, so Josiah, he's I mean, he's a vassal. Uh, he he can't help that. That's uh, what his you know his father's uh, burdened him with, you know, um, and, and so uh, what, what he, you have. I, I I might demur from that to some extent. I think that they were still sovereign at that time. It was only after Necho killed Josiah that they kind of became a vassal of Egypt for a short time until they became a vassal of Babylon. You know, so so yeah. there was some semi-autonomy that was going on. And, and what's interesting in verse 6 is it says that he also went into what was the northern kingdom, you know, yeah. these, these uh, uh, basically the tribes of Manasseh, Ephraim, of course that's Joseph, and then Simeon and, and Naphtali, Naphtali, you know, all the way up north. And 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 uh, so so maybe there was some kind of influence that the that Judah had influence over the, the this land to the north. Well, and it's and it's a fair point that just to say that somebody is is a vassal. I mean, there are varying degrees of autonomy, right? I mean, like you can right, you can go into right. like the Roman period where I, I mean, like they have something very similar to that, but there's actually kind of like a surprising amount of autonomy, right? Um, or, whereas, right. like, there are other cases where, you know, there was there was really very little, and it was almost entirely ceremonial. So there, there's a spectrum. Um, and, right. and certainly the the language that we looked at when we were taking a look at, uh, where was it? I think it was, like, Second Kings 16, um, you know, isn't as, isn't as unambiguously clear. But, yeah, so, so I acknowledge that, yeah, you could read that a couple different ways. But the way I read it in there in Second Kings is that when— when Ahaz goes and like seeks out um, Assyria there and says, you know, I'm, I'm your son. Here's a lot of money. That's that's uh, him saying I'm your vassal now. Um, exactly. But, You're, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So 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 you so you have this situation. I mean, even if it's not tech, I mean, you know, in some ways it's sort of like kind of besides the point because Assyria's power and influence is going to be such that even if they are like nominally sovereign, it's going to be. It, you know, like as long as they don't anger Assyria, so it's it's well, kind of yeah, like. Well, I mean, Isaiah says that Jerusalem is like a uh, like a booth in the middle of a cucumber patch. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's insignificant. You got these two huge world powers, the one to your south, Egypt, the one to your yeah. north, uh, Babylon. You know, you're just a pawn in, in their, yeah. in their uh, geo power games. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so, you know, Josiah is, you know, he's put into this, you know, difficult situation to say the least as an eight year old. Uh, but right. It says here, um, you know, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, watching the ways of his father, uh, David. Um, and it says there for in the eighth year of his reign, right. So we're doing math 16, right. Um, he began to seek the God of David, his father. So, I mean, like what it would seem to be is that you have, uh, Zephaniah, showing up and and preaching to the court of this young teenager, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. when he's like, you know, 14, 15, 16. um, And the the teenager listens uh, to to Zephaniah and and says, you know, yeah, we we got to We got to get back on track. And so, I mean, that is that is humbling. It's not the last time that God's going to work through a a faithful teenager who in the in the context of like a whole bunch of older and wiser and more powerful men and women who have gone along and compromised the faith um that you get this beacon of faithfulness um from this from this youth yeah it and and um uh they also of course there's a lot of things going on he the the temple needed to be repaired. I mean, that's like in 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 chapter thirty five, uh, and they found the book of the law, probably yeah. the book of Deuteronomy. You know, there, mm-hmm. there uh, Moses wrote uh, five uh, scrolls. Um, you know, that's why you have the Pentateuch, which is uh, the f- first five scrolls, the Torah of of the Old Testament, and they find uh, Deuteronomy, and they read about all of the all of the judgments that God would uh, do against those who were unfaithful, and 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 uh, you know Josiah is just uh, scared out of his gourd. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know that's 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 right. I mean, that must that must be something. I mean, like you know, because Josiah here, uh, he's like, um, you know, forging this like you know bold new direction. Um, you know, in the context of all these people who are older than him, who would have been like, um, well, why don't we keep wa- you know, worshiping the Baals? I mean, this is this is pretty bold for the 16 year old to really start, you know, flexing uh, this this power. Um, and, and so and like you said, it, it really is remarkable, too, because he goes even up into the north. Right. And starts, you know, hacking those pieces, uh, hacking those altars to pieces. And it's interesting, too, I think. um, you wonder about what he did find exactly. You know, I think that Deuteronomy is, is kind of like what people point to being discovered. But it feels in some ways like, did he find uh, something from Exodus? Because, I mean, like, look what he does, right, to uh, to, to the, the idols, right? It says there, he cut down the incense altars, broke them into pieces, and, and he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them, which feels a lot like uh, when Aaron, uh, you know, w- was complicit and made the, the the graven image there at the at the base of Sinai. And then what does Moses do? Well, he grinds it up into dust and he makes them drink it, right? Right, right. And so, so there's there's quite a bit of, uh, you know, in, in other words, uh, there is the desire in uh, uh, zeal for God to to just some completely obliterate from the earth all of these all of these abominations against God. Right. right. Yeah. You know. Very, very much. Yeah. Like this 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 radical zeal of, hey, we're going back to Moses. We're we're doing this. It doesn't matter if we're having to go back a lot of generations. 
um, you know, this, this is, this is the God of our, of our fathers. And so, um, so yeah, so, so you, you have this, you have this moment of, uh, of faithfulness here, right? Which, you know, yeah, in the big scheme of things seems to, uh, well, I mean, it's met with God's, uh, forgiveness and, and grace, but, but then, yeah, in chapter 36, you have the decline here. Um, and like you said, it's because, uh, good King Josiah, he did die in battle, against against egypt and and like you've been right. saying like you know uh, since they were under the influence and power of of assyria i mean they that, that was that was their deal right like they they had to fight against egypt but josiah right. dies because of the the egyptians and so when um you know so it's so what happens next then right like he so you get the uh jehoiahaz right who, who reigns for a whole all of three months but you know if uh you, you can just tell, right? It's like, hang on, if if Josiah died in battle uh, with the Egyptians, the Egyptians are are close at hand, and they're not going to allow this independence or this Assyrian influence to stand uh, for very long. You know, and, and what's interesting is that is the um, measure of faithfulness to God. Uh, the, the problem with uh, Jehoiakim and with uh, Zedekiah is that they relied upon Egypt against Babylon and against, yeah. uh, you know, what the, what the prophet Jeremiah told him. You know, he says, you know, you do not rely on Egypt. It's a broken reed. It'll, it'll uh, you know, pierce your hand. You know, it, it you know, it, it, yeah, Egypt is, is there to, uh, you know, exercise its control, but it isn't there to any, exercise it in any protection of Judah against the Babylonians. You know, J- uh, Jeremiah says, well, you know, submit, you know, to Babylon, uh, because that's, you know, that's God's will, uh, you know, in, in judgment. And but they're saying they're resisting Babylon be- and, and trusting in Egypt. And that's how the reason why uh, Zedekiah is said to do what is evil. Now, of course, uh, Ezekiel has quite a story about what goes on in the temple during the reign of Zedekiah, even more, you know, abominations in the temple itself, like Manasseh put there. Well, you know, that, that's right. And uh, yeah, yeah, that would be uh ezekiel of course wow there's there's so many things going on uh there um right. i'm happy that we were able actually that, that pastor whedon was able to cover um ezekiel not too long ago and that there's a lot of right. good stuff and material we have on the on the podcast there um but but so but so taking it um so taking it here right so so jehoiahaz is is put in place of uh, of his father but egypt's like uh no we don't like that you're you're ours now uh you know we're, we're claiming this this uh, center square on the, on the chessboard. Um, and so, right. So, so Eliakim uh, gets installed. So like, you know, this is, this is just kind of the back and forth of the, of the vassals. And so, right. um, so, so yeah, so, so it is then interesting that uh, y- you have this, this, this succession of Kings, but it, it's really just kind of like, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's almost as bad as like, you know, which party is in power, right? Like <laughs> in our, in, uh, in our system, we you know we got these two parties that are competing for the same white house. And it's kind of like here, it's just like, it's just, is it going to be the East that's in control of Judah or the South that's in control of Judah and just kind of flips every, you know, uh, 10, 20 years. Yeah. They're, they're, and they're just nothing but sock puppets. I mean, you know, it's it's actually Egypt that's speaking through Jehoiakim and, and Zedekiah, yeah. and it's and and then, uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar conquers the land, and then he puts up Gedaliah as his governor, and then of course they revolt against him. 
<laughs> go to Egypt. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Well, so, okay. So let's, let's talk about that then. Right. So, okay. So you, you have Judah then being under, under uh, Egyptian uh, power now um, yep. until Nebuchadnezzar comes. And now this is, this is significant because as, as you were saying, this is the, the reason why Egypt's able to swoop in here is because the Assyrians have their hands full a little bit and they've, kind of had their hands full, even, you know, back as far as like uh, Hezekiah, that was when things were already starting to go downhill for them. Uh, right. B- because these, like you were saying, these, these Chaldeans were were not uh, happy citizens. <laughs> and uh, right. And so we get we get this all out revol- revolt. And uh, well, yeah, the, the Babylonians take Babylon, uh, among other places. <laughs> Um, and, and so so here, right, when you have Nebuchadnezzar now and you have this uh, full-on new empire, the Neo-Babylonian Empire here, um, so he comes and says there in verse 6, and so so now we've got uh, the, the king, uh, no, this is, uh, so this is Jehoiakim Joy. then. Well, so you're explaining this actually, like with Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin both now. Right, right, and and see, uh, at first, at first, Nebuchadnezzar comes in there, and and like remember in the book of Daniel where it says that, uh, you know, there were young men that were taken into Babylon. Uh, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, around six hundred B.C. Right. And and uh, Nebuchadnezzar says to Jehoiakim, uh, "You're a vassal. You're really a vassal." You know. And and then and then Jehoiakim revolts uh, about three years later, and then uh, he dies, and then his son is is taken captive. So that's that's what's right. that's what's going on there. Well, so so then so yeah so I think then like in the midst of um, you know this this back and forth and. Uh, just like being being under the thumb, right, of either Egypt or 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 the East, Assyria, and then right. and then uh, Babylon, the Chaldeans. Um, it it kind of introduces, and I think, and this is kind of the, the difficult question then for us, right? Like, if you are, you know, the the pawn, or just or just the center squares in the middle of somebody else's chess game, like, how do you then act as a faithful member? of God's people. Uh, do, do you rebel because you say, hey, God said, you know, we weren't supposed to be making alliances with these guys to begin with. So you right. know, we're going to overthrow these guys and we're going to, you know, establish our own empire uh, where we, you know, rule, um, you know, by by the word of the Lord, right? And, that, and that's going to be what happens, right? The, the theory of what happens with the uh, the uh, the Maccabeans later, right? Um, with, the, with the Hasmonean right. dynasty. So, so like that, that's right. going to be one route um you know or is it like hey no uh we 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 got into this and like you were saying this is is god's just judgment upon us and the faithful thing is to actually kind of like serve out our sentence right (laughs) as as their vassals i mean so so these are these are really these are really different approaches and that kind of comes in um in verse 13 where it says you know he, he rebelled against king nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear by God, he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord, the God of Israel. And so the text itself there seems to suggest that he was mistaken in his rebellion. So, so what do you, how do you make sense of this? Uh, well, because, uh, you know, the prophets were informed. I mean, he didn't listen to Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah said, submit, you know, don't, you know, like you said, you know, serve your sentence. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it's what... It, 
if you stop and look at it, like Jehoiakim was a real fool. And that, that's why, like, uh, Jeremiah says he received the burial of a, of a donkey. Um, you know, he, he, so who am I going to be the, the puppet of? Am I going to be the puppet of Egypt or the puppet of, of Babylon? Who's, yeah. who's, who's going to take charge here? You know, Babylon obviously has the upper hand. So the smart thing to do is just to simply uh, submit to Babylon. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all it's expediency. It's not, but I mean, you have you also have the word of God, which is spoken yeah. to you by the faithful prophet Jeremiah. Right. Well, and, and the thing is, like you, you, you can see this that like each of these each of these uh, kings is going to exert different levels of influence on on the rule. It's hard to even say this, right? I, I want to say on the religious side of things, but I mean, they're, they're all intertwined. There's no right king that's like only exercising influence on material and economic things it's all intimately tied right but but there exactly. but, but there are degrees right there are degrees and, and you see this like you mentioned daniel right where daniel is able to go and be the 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 chief astrologer in ba- babylon but like right. also still be faithful to and and serve god so there there is this there is this middle way that's really hard and tricky to navigate that's but right. Where 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 God is saying, "Hey, look, uh, yeah, would it be better if you were were in, independent of these guys and not having to make these compromises, and your your fathers hadn't sold you out as vassals? Yeah, that would have been better. But that's not the hand you've been dealt, and so be faithful to me, uh, like this. And, and you know, it's interesting that that there is unfaithfulness on the part of like Zedekiah allowing that that abominations into the temple again. You know, Josiah cleaned it out, and then and then here his here his son uh, brings it back in. That's sad. Well, well, and, and so you do see then that right, like there there is like an amount of there is an amount of autonomy, right? Like there, 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 there are, there are limits, right? You know, Assyria is only going to let you go so far. Babylon's only going to let you go so far, but in that, in that, uh, you know, wiggle room there, right? Like you do have room to operate and you can be right. at least more faithful or less faithful. Right. right? Exactly. Um, I, I mean, you know, to kind of put it in new Testament terms, you know, maybe you don't get 10 talents to decide what to do with, and you only get the five or even just the one, but like with the five or the one that you got, you, you can be faithful with that much. And, and so I feel like this does speak to us in our situation because, you know, I, I think as, as Christians um, in, in our own context, I, I feel like there's there's been a lot of conversation that makes it seem like we're, we're, we're out of power, we're out of favor with the elites, or we have lessened influence, right? But we... <laughs> Big picture, we have been given a lot, actually, and we can be faithful with what we've been given. Exactly. And, and there's a promise of the faithful remnant. Uh, you know, in other words, that, that there will be those that God uh, brings through this. And ultimately, the faithful remnant is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the, he is the true faithful Israel, the true, the true nation who renders God perfect obedience. And that's well, kind I, of the ray of hope. Well, amen. It's it's the ray of hope, and it's also the it's also the lighthouse that I think gets the ship to shore. That like if you if you don't if you just look at it on their terms, right? Which is that okay, Assyria or Babylon or Egypt owns you, right? It's right, going to be very right. difficult to chart a course. But if you look at it the other way around and say, well, actually, Jesus, the Messiah, 
you know, died and risen from the dead is king of kings, and you're under him, <laughs> and then I'm under you, right? Now, now we can start to look at things like the way that the apostles did, and we can, we can obey at times. We can submit to punishment. We can submit to being vassals, right? Um, yeah. But we, we can also resist when it's necessary because we're looking at it with a different perspective. And I think that's part of the liberation that even if it doesn't, even even if it's not like a like a political liberation, and these are the questions we kind of got over email. Like, so how do how do we, you know, be faithful? Is it even possible, right? Like when we have so much influencing us, right? If we take right. this different perspective, then I, I think that's where we operate. So, uh, yeah. So all pretty much all out of time for today. But uh, yeah, Pastor Boyce Claire, just want to thank you so much. It's been a pleasure um, yeah. being able to read the Bible through with you. you you've been on. Uh, uh, I think I think more than anyone else I've had. So I just thank you, thank you for your faithfulness, your patience for uh, listening to uh, this young guy uh, talk uh, far too much. Uh, you've you've been a, a great blessing and a source of wisdom uh, for me to just be well, inspired by and to and to uh, use as an example. I, so thank you. I also I'm, I'm thrilled thrilled to be a part of this wonderful study of God's word and with you as our teacher. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Everybody, uh, Pastor David Boyce Claire, pastor at Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. All right, so we are going to be moving on. Next time, we're going to be looking at, oh, is it time already? This is fantastic. We're going to be looking next time at Nehemiah chapter 6, okay? So now we're getting into the, okay, the, the exile has happened, the destruction has happened. Well, what now? And more of a chance to kind of think about this together. So how do we... Uh, you know, walk this tightrope, it seems, the way that Daniel or the way that uh, the good King Josiah did. Until then, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.